The following program is not intended for children under 13, even though 13 is the spookiest of numbers. It contains coarse language, mature content, stories about ghosts, it's kind of spooky, and also I am not responsible for the things that come out of my wife's mouth. Listen at your own risk. Hello and welcome to another episode of Spooky Stories. Ooh. I'm your ghost co-host, Mambacomb, the kooky one. And I'm the spooky one, Kaya. And today we are continue our journey in Amherst, Nova Scotia and learning about Esther Cox. Yes, and before we get into that, I just want to do a last time on Spooky Stories podcast. Go ahead. Okay, ready? Yeah. Everyone ready? Okay. Last time on Spooky Stories podcast. Oh, I'm Esther, and I'm having a great time being a romantic girl. Hey, you look like a romantic hero. We should go have a date together. Do you have a buggy? Why, yes, I do, Esther. Let's all go down to the marsh. Oh, man, he mysteriously laughed. That's weird. Okay, why don't I go back home? Everything will be fine when I go back home. Oh, my God, I'm swelling. Somebody help me. Oh, oh, now it's pleasurable. Oh, come help me, somebody. I am the bad demon. I rap three times and also carry beads. You are mine to kill. And now let's get back to our story. I really liked your last time. That was good. <laughs> I thought I was going to choke on my water while I was watching it and you were I doing that. I see just losing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess we'll just get right back into it, eh? Mm-hmm. Cool. So when we left off, we were talking about Esther and how she was being haunted mm-hmm. by something. She was experiencing some pretty crazy stuff. And she was even an instrument for automatic writing and spooky messages were being Oh, left. yeah, I forgot about the automatic writing. Yeah. So... Um, after a couple months of all of this happening, Olive and Daniel decided that everyone needed a respite, so Esther was sent to stay with her sister Nellie at her father-in-law's home in Upper Sackville. Okay. We know where that is. We do know where that is, and that's kind of freaking me out right now. Okay, continue. We just drove by it, like, drove through it, though. We didn't stop there. I'm pretty sure I spent at least a month in one of the Sackvilles. Could have been upper, could have been lower, I'm not sure. Maybe. Anyways. Nice you're going to tell me it's my grandma's house and I'm going to get the friggin' spooked out. Spooked. Uh, so while staying with Nellie and the Snowdens, there were no strange experiences happening at 6 Princess Street or to Esther, but just days after she returned to Amherst, she declared she heard a voice inform her that the house was to be set on fire that night and it had once lived on Earth, but was now dead and only a ghost. So the voice was telling her some weird shit. Okay, so I want to hear the the voice here. I can't do the voice. Do the voice. I, there isn't a voice. What, the, what, it doesn't, she heard a voice. It what never it specified what the voice said, but basically it told her that they were going to set the house on fire that night, that it had once lived on Earth, and was now dead and only a ghost. The house had? 
No, this spirit that's haunting her. Ah, there's a spirit. It's involved? the voice in her head. It's a freaking spirit. It's not the house. It might be. I mean, she moved to a different house, and nothing bad happened until that voice. Fair enough. Anyways. Okay. So no one took the fire threat seriously until lit matches began to fall from the ceiling. Which would be pretty freaky. So, like, nothing, like, opened the drawer, took out the matches. No. And then, These no, just, matches, just lit matches yeah. out of nowhere just yeah, started falling from basically. the ceiling. Basically. I gotta tell you, that doesn't do anything. They typically just, they fall and then they... Well, everyone began to scramble to extinguish the fires, so obviously something was Okay, happening. fine. Yeah. I'm just not believing that. Um, That's fine. So over the next couple of weeks, two more fires broke out, including one where one of Esther's dresses was rolled up, shoved under her bed, and set on fire. Yep. <laughs> what? Why? I'm not sure. That's very odd. Right? Like, what very a master random. plan this demon has. Yep. Um, and then there was also one, so I guess they stored a barrel of wood shavings in the cellar to, like, dry them out so that they could use them to start fires and stuff. Um, and it began to smolder and burst into flames. Okay. So, probably not ideal. No. that's, you don't want it on fire in the barrel. You want it on fire in your fireplace. Come on, ghost. Get with it. Yeah. Right? Exactly. You know how a fireplace works. Come on, Yeah. Daddy. So poor Daniel was tired and frustrated by this point, so he asked a local family to provide a space for Esther to stay for a while. <laughs> yeah. What did they say to that? They said yes. So Why she- does everyone go, hey, will you take this crazy demon daughter that I have or demon sister or whatever you want to call it? And everyone goes, yeah, sure, no problem. Well, because so the last time she went and stayed somewhere else, it stopped, remember? Yeah, but if I was some local family, I wouldn't believe that shit. Well, I guess they just wanted to give her a chance. So she went to stay with local restaurant owner John White and his family. Nice. So that was nice of them to take her in. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, everything was fine for about a month. And then her nemesis caught up with her. She was scrubbing the front hall one day when her scrub brush disappeared from her hand. Esther cried out, causing John's wife, Sarah, and one of their daughters to come running to her aid. After searching everywhere for the brush, they were shocked to see it falling from the ceiling and narrowly missing Esther's head. It's just a scrub brush. She'll be aight. I mean, have you seen scrub brushes from the 1800s? Like, they're big, bulky, and I probably wouldn't want that thing dropped I, on my head. I don't know. It's, it's like a big wood. wooden... Yeah. Mm, no. Okay. Anyways, it's falling from the ceiling... Like, that could cause some damage. It depends on how nice the ceilings were. Maybe they were 12 foot, 9 foot high ceilings. Maybe. Um, So after this, the wrappings began again. And this time, Esther and the Whites carried on conversations with the ghost. They even claimed to hear it walking through the house. So they're like, well, if this crazy shit's going to happen, we're just going to embrace it, I guess. See, and I would do a rapping joke, but then I I just, I can't rap, so it's not going (laughs) to work. Just everyone pretend like I did some good rapping. Insert good rap joke here. Yo, 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 I'm a silly bad ghost, and I'm here to haunt your dreams, girl. That was the opposite of what I said. Wow, 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 wow. All right. Um, So all was fine until fires started again. So John began to take Esther to work with him to the restaurant that he owned. And the ghostly activities followed them. So now they're not in the house. The family is safe. They're happening at the restaurant. Many people began to visit the saloon to see the manifestations for themselves. So some of the things that they would see when they went to visit would be chairs and tables moving on their own. Which is common. Mm-hmm. So I think we're past ghost and we're into poltergeist at this point, right? Yeah, no yep. kidding. 
Um, I thought we were in demon territory, really. I, so a lot of the stuff that I see references that as a poltergeist, which makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a noisy German ghost doing its noisy <laughs> German things. Yep. So objects would fly around the kitchen, and of course, the ever-present knockings kept everyone interested in the mystery. I really hope utensils were not part of those objects, because we have told ghosts before <laughs> that you need to be oh. careful when you're working in a restaurant. You just wait. There's utensils. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, in December 1878, so we're still in 1878, like, we haven't even moved in, a, in the year. We're still in the same year as when this mm-hmm. all started happening. Um, poor Esther fell ill with diphtheria, which was pretty bad. What is like, diphtheria? Diphtheria was, like, one of the worst illnesses of, like, the pre-1900s. Um, it was basically a death sentence. Like, there was no real cure for it. Um, and it just attacked your entire body. How much diarrhea so, was involved? I don't know. Um, but it was an illness that was actually caused via airborne particles. So quite similar to COVID-19. Okay. Yeah. That's very bad. Um, so good news is she recovered. And for the few weeks while she was bedridden and then recuperating back at the Snowdens where nothing happened. Except for the CIA was getting infiltrated (laughs) and secrets were being leaked. The manifestation stopped, but she returned to Amherst in January of 1879. And the ghosts returned with renewed force. Of course they did, right? They're not very nice ghosts. No. So back in Amherst, we've got furniture moving around on its own. The raps and knockings were louder than ever. And the fires were starting again. So we got... Fire raining down from the ceiling again. This is just not fair. Right? At this point, authorities were beginning to doubt the ghost theory, and Esther was placed in the charge of veteran constable John Trenholm, but even he couldn't stop or explain what was happening. So they're like, we don't know what to do with her anymore. The authorities think that she's like a menace because they don't know what's going on. So it was common at the time for female suspects we'll call her a suspect um to be put in the care of like a constable and his wife and just to like observe her and make sure that she's not actually the one like causing weird shit yeah it is such a weird thing to me that instead of throwing someone in jail or solitary confinement or like i don't know or a nut house yeah or like um doing some electroshock therapy or something like that they're like you're going to stay with me and my wife, girl. So keep in mind, this was like pre-1900. So a lot of those therapies that we've talked about in other episodes okay. weren't really But it's just a strange around. thing. Like and the constabulary will take you in and we will just keep watch. Basically. Um, now I'm not quite sure what kind of restrictions was placed on Esther while she was under the care of the constable. But she actually began traveling around to try and find answers for what was happening to her. So those restrictions couldn't have been too bad because she got to travel. She Did she try Pirelli's Miracle Elixir? <laughs> um, that's only for... For hair uh, loss? Yeah. Oh, jeez. Uh, not for crazy. So in early March of 1879, Esther was in St. John, New Brunswick at the invitation of Dr. Aaron Allward. He was a physician that was interested in the occult sciences. So things like astrology... Palm reading. Palm reading. Basically everything that people refer to as witchcraft nowadays. Oh, yeah. Yep. I'm not familiar uh, with any of that. So he wanted to meet and observe Esther. 
By this time, many distinct spirits were apparently associated with Esther and communicated with onlookers via knocks and rappings. So it's like just a permanent seance all the time. Okay. Yeah. After St. John, Esther traveled to a farm near Amherst at the invitation of John Van Amberg and his family. She stayed there for two months, and while she was here, although a few knockings were heard, her life was relatively quiet. Nice. Yeah. Um, but Esther became bored, because she's, like, 18. She's like, I'm so used to these, like, ghosts hunting me, like, everywhere right. I go, and getting so much attention from all the swelling and, like, nail biting and all those things that are, like, happening to me. So, like, peace. Yes. So she left and returned to Amherst where the phenomenon started up again. Oh my God. This is the attention that I've been craving. (laughs) So it was at this time that a man named Walter Hubble arrived. He was an actor who was sure he could, and direct quote, expose the mystery and make money out of it while doing so. See, that's the thing. See, he needs to sell a ghost-removing elixir. There you go. Because if no one was selling ghost-removing elixirs back then, I feel like if I had a time machine, I could make bank. Because back in the 1800s, there was a lot of this shit. So, William Hubble um, spent many weeks with Esther and her family. So, basically, what started was... He came, he's like, okay, I know that this weird stuff is happening. I'm an actor that travels, so we're going to take you on the road. So they spent a few weeks, like, traveling and sharing her experiences with other people. People thought she was crazy, so they returned to Amherst, um, where he decided to just, like, hang out for a while, observe her, see if he could figure out how she was doing all this. Um... And, yeah, so he spent many weeks there, um, started out as a non-believer, and then after witnessing moving objects, fires, items appearing from nowhere, um, he claimed that he saw things occur when Esther was in full view, so obviously she wasn't connected with them. He began to believe everything, and he believed that Esther was being haunted by spirits. It's not fair, too, because they just follow you around. Yeah. But that's not, that's not cool. Right? Like, like can't you at just least stay, you're, like, in, stay in the house or something? Yeah. So we can just burn the house or, like, figure out it was buried on an, or yeah. built on an ancient Indian burial so ground. So this guy it. thought that he was going to get rich off of exposing that this was a hoax. Yeah. And then realized that it wasn't a hoax. So he's like, okay, well, I'm going to make money off of it not being a hoax. So he now we're talking. Yeah, so that's a shrewd businessman. Decided to stay because he all of a sudden thought, "I'm going to write a book." Okay. Okay. So he needs to stay to get, you know, things to write about. Yeah, makes sense, right? So he's seen all these weird occurrences. He's also claimed to have witnessed attacks on Esther, and saw her in severe fits of extreme swelling and pain. Um, one day Esther and Jenny reported that they had been stuck with pins during the night. Um, and then the following day, Hubble spent most of the day pulling pins out of Esther that came out of thin air. So like they, the sisters had this experience the night before they woke up, they were fine. They did have like weird red marks all over them. Um, but then all of a sudden, like, Esther would just be sitting there and, like, pins would appear in her skin, like, out of nowhere. 
So then Hubble was like removing these pins. Um, apparently he pulled a total the of... The demon was just trying to get his yeah. acupuncture license. <laughs> right? um, so apparently he pulled a total of 30 pins from Esther that day. That's not enough. That's a, quite a bit though. I know, but like if you want to do acupuncture, there's a lot more that need to go in there. Anyways. So Hubble started communicating with the various spirits by rapping. And this is where we get to find out who some of the spirits were. Oh. So... There was the main, not the main, but the OG ghost. His name was Bob Nickel, also referred to as Shoemaker Bob. Now, I just want to backtrack a little bit because last week we talked about Esther courting Bob McNeil. Or sorry, Bob McNeil courting Esther. However, it worked back then. Hero, romantic hero Bob. Yes, so she was dating Bob. So... Bob actually had come to Amherst to work at the Amherst Boot and Shoe Company with Daniel Teed. Oh. So, the first... I knew I didn't trust Bob. So... Fucking Bob um, over here like, Ooh, let me take you for a buggy ride down to the swamp. (laughs) Uh Uh-uh. Yeah. So, the OG ghost was Shoemaker Bob. Okay. Bob Nickel convenient right but is is it only the fact that they're both named bob and they both worked at shoe places or are they the same people mm, well no because bob because that's a bit alive. of a stretch bob's a not dead okay bob mcneil isn't dead okay um so he was the first one he was joined by a spirit named peter cox so potentially like a old relative of esther herself Okay, um, well, that's bullshit. Because <laughs> it's like, uh, Grandpa, cut the shit. Right? Uh, there was also Maggie and Mary Fisher. Now, Fisher was the maiden name of her mother who had passed away when she was three weeks old. So maybe, like, names that she... Uh, and, like, people that she had heard of growing up. And now they were, like, attaching themselves to mm-hmm. her. Um, one named Jane Nickel potentially the wife of Bob Nickel, and Eliza McNeil. Esther also claimed that on occasion, she heard the voice of Bob McNeil, who was actually still very alive and living in Malagash, Nova Scotia. Okay. Yeah. So not sure why she's hearing his voice. Maybe she was just like obsessed Okay, so help me out because like the ADD kicked in real hard, and I need <laughs> the to know I start all these names. names. Okay, so we have Shoemaker Bob Nickel. Shoemaker Bob Nickel. Okay. Uh, Peter Cox. Peter Cox. Maggie Fisher. Maggie Fisher. Mary Fisher. Mary Fisher. Jane Nickel. Jane Nickel. Yep. So wait, related to yeah, Bob the wife, Nickel, the wife, the wife of Shoemaker Bob yes. Nickel. Um, and Eliza McNeil. And how is she related to Bob McNeil? So it's spelled different, but I saw in some in some reports that Bob McNeil, that she dated, actually had a sister named Eliza. Okay. So. I see where this is going. It's a little creepy, little bit spooky, little bit of, little bit suspicious. <laughs> right? I yeah. think we should go talk to romantic hero Bob. <laughs> Like, immediately. Anyways, we're still talking about Hubble, like, Walter Hubble being here getting information for his Mm -hmm. book. So, he's communicating with these spirits. 
Um, Hubble actually struck up a type of friendship with Shoemaker Bob, the spirit, um, often requesting a match to start his pipe and a lit one would appear out of thin air. Yeah. I Sorry, was like, that's another one of those okay. situations where my eyes rolled in the back of my head so hard my head fell back. Yeah, okay, so we got to keep going because there's a lot of information here and we're starting to run a little long. Uh, so by July of 1879, Daniel and Olive's landlord, James Bliss, had enough of the hauntings and told Daniel that Esther had to leave at once, meaning it was time for Hubble to leave as well. By now, though, he was satisfied enough to move on because he had enough material for his book, which was then published um, under the name The Haunted House. Over the years, it is now renamed to The Great Amherst Mystery. It's actually still published on a yearly basis, and you can actually still buy the book. I found it online for free. I read through it. It's pretty interesting. Um, But a lot of his stuff is, like, really exaggerated in it compared to, like, what they say actually happened. Also, like, I don't trust him. I feel like he just wanted to hang out with her so he could have sex with her. They never had sex. (laughs) You don't know that. Anyways. So, Esther ended up back at the Van Amberg farm. So, remember, they were the ones where they actually, like, were cool with the ghosts. Um, But trouble still wasn't over for Esther. In the fall of 1879, Esther got a position with neighboring family, the Davidsons, where she was the servant to Arthur, his wife Mary, and their two sons, Clarence and Richard. The servant? Yeah. So she was basically like a maid. Yeah, but they referred to it as servant in the 1800s. Wow. So the Davidsons were happy with the work that Esther did for them, but her time here was not without strange occurrences. So some of the things that happened while she was working for the Davidsons, um, Arthur claimed that Esther appeared to float down the stairs. So not walk, just float. You know, and like, I don't really think it's fair for these ghosts to be like, oh no, you're not actually going to be able to make a living either. We're just going to make your life. We're just going to make your life, like at least let her like, you know, feed her family or whatever she's got going on. Yeah. Pay rent. Uh, So one evening while Arthur was reading the paper... Esther was setting the table for tea when Arthur was hit on the back of the head with a fork. Yeah. Ouch. Flying cutlery. I told those guys. Right? I've told them so many times. Anyways. Uh, one time Arthur was entering the barn while Esther was leaving. And so, so they, I guess in their barn, they had like a basket of different combs that they used for like brushing out the animals. And there was one called a curry comb. I'm not sure what it is, but, um, as Esther was leaving, Arthur was watching this like curry comb running along the floor behind her. Okay. Hold on. What? Is it a comb for curry? I don't know what it is. I told you. You gotta comb the curry out. Right. Anyways. But this, like, I just imagine this comb with little legs just running around. Yeah, basically. Yeah. It's just like this comb running <laughs> eight to ten feet behind Esther as she's walking out of the barn. You never go kiss And then she closes the door, the comb slams into the door, and then Arthur just like picks it up, throws it back in the basket, and goes along with his day. Um... <laughs> Eventually, though, the easygoing family had enough when they started seeing that some items from their home were missing. They believed that Esther was stealing them. She claimed that the spirits of Bob and Maggie were playing tricks, but the Davidsons still reported her to the Amherst police. Um, This caused the police to issue a warrant to search the premises of John Van Amberg. So she's working for the Davidsons, still living with the Ambergs. Um... So they decided they were going to search the Van Amberg's farm for the missing items. 
so this was the morning of November 4th, 1879. So while the police are searching the Van Amberg property, the Davidson barn was destroyed by fire. Apparently it looked as though the fire had been started deliberately. So ghosts are back up to their fire trucks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, while the search was taking place, they found a number of the missing items that belonged to the Davidsons. So, not looking good for Esther. No. No. Um, so a November 6th article in the Shinecto Post claimed that Esther's complicity in the theft and the mystery of the origin of the fire seemed to require a full investigation. Which led to Esther being committed to trial for stealing and starting the fire, and she was sentenced to four months imprisonment at the Amherst Jail. Oh, so she wasn't just sentenced to live with the nope, commissioner and his wife. No, she was actually sent to jail this time. Okay. Um, but she was never actually found guilty of arson and only spent one month in jail. Good for her. Yeah. So, Did anything happen while she was in jail? I'm getting to that. Okay, cool. So... After Esther's release from jail in December of 1879, she returned to the home on 6th Princess Street and resumed living with Daniel and Olive. While she was incarcerated, the spirits stopped haunting her and they never returned. And Esther was able to have a normal life, going on to marry twice and even have children of her own. Wow. Yeah. So she's haunted for like a year and then she goes to jail and it just stops. Interesting. And she lives a normal life. Now, Esther fell ill in the fall of 1912 and passed away at the age of 52 on November 8th, 1912. A ripe old age, for yeah. sure. I mean, at that time, you were probably lucky to live to 52. Especially if you got diphtheria. Exactly. Like, she survived diphtheria, which is... Yeah. Not many people did. Many people have tried and failed to explain Esther's unfortunate experiences, and I have, like, a few theories here. Can I explain my theory first? Yeah. Let's okay. hear your theory. If you can make it relatively quick... Explain your theory, and then we can go through this. We're almost done. This is a podcast, not like a All right. sprint, okay? All right. Explain your theory in 90 seconds or less. Okay, listen. This girl is all rebellious. She's like, I don't want to get married. I don't want to do chores for some man. I'm a strong, independent woman. And then these ghosts were like, oh, hell no. You ain't going to dishonor our ancestors like that woman's place is in the kitchen and so they worked out a way to torture her until she got better and better at doing chores and serving men and then eventually learned her lesson and then like okay it's cool now interesting yeah that's your theory that's my theory okay well bob mcneil claimed that she was a witch and later in life was said to have claimed he left amherst to avoid having to testify against her Okay, yep. why? Why would he testify against her? Mm, so, I guess it goes, people thought that she was a witch. Not sure, because this weird stuff didn't start happening until after he left. So, I don't know what happened prior to this. There's mm-hmm. no real, like, record of anything. But I guess that he told his family later in life that he left Amherst because people thought that she was a witch and he would have to testify against her in court. But he loved her. Because he's a romantic hero. Did he? I mean, like, he potentially sexually assaulted her and then left her on her own (laughs) to walk home in the rain. I think he cursed her. That's another option here, Um, too, because I don't trust There is something similar to that in these theories when I get to that. But also, like, 
just because she's a witch, so she did it on her own then? Or she's a witch and therefore these spirits were... I don't know. These are theories that don't have a lot of stories behind them. I just want to know what you thought. I'm telling you the information that I have. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So Dr. Erin Allward, who she remembers she visited in St. John, New Brunswick, believed that she was a medium who was capable of communicating with the dead. Okay, yeah, we've seen that, been there. Dr. Thomas Carrot, the family physician, believed her to be a battery or magnet to draw in the spirit realm. Yeah. Maybe. Esther herself believed she was under the spell of mesmerism, which I'm not sure what that is. I didn't have a chance to look it up. That's hypnotizing or whatever. Um, I think it's based, that's basically what it is. Yeah. yeah. Now, Walter Hubble considered her a victim of evil spirits and had the most complex theory behind what might have actually happened. So, Of course, because he wrote the book. Bear with me as we go through this, okay? Yeah. So... Walter Hubble believed that Bob McNeil was as much a victim as Esther and that his body generated a large amount of vital magnetism. So what that is claimed to be is the presence or absence of human electricity that causes the human realm and the astral plane to open up to each other so that people on Earth could interact with residents of the astral plane who would appear as ghosts. I know we just heard about like all these ghost stories and like following her around and forks flying all over the place and matches coming out of nowhere and pins flying everywhere. But that is some bullshit. Anyways, so Hubble surmised that Bob McNeil attracted the evil spirit of Bob Nickel to him and this entity caused him to do nasty things such as whatever happened with Esther that night of the buggy ride. If Esther was in a panic that night, there may have been a depletion in her human electricity, causing the ghost to leave Bob's body and settle in hers. Now, the person who wrote the book that I used for my research claimed that there was never any proof of somebody named Bob Nickel living in Nova Scotia and that potentially was Esther's way of demonizing Bob McNeil for whatever he did to her and then like peacing out. Interesting. Yeah. There wait, was... wait, why wouldn't she call him Bob McNeil? Because it'd be too obvious and Bob McNeil was still alive. Okay, but the only reason they were able to find these things out is because they conducted a seance. Right. Anyways. Um, so there was also a theory uh, that one researcher in the 20th century did where he believed that Esther suffered from dual personality, mm-hmm. which, I mean, maybe. Um, and then finally, some believe that trickery was involved in the mystery because everything that happened to Esther was nothing that required anything beyond human strength and ability. Uh, I don't know how you can do that, like, with your human strength and ability to move boxes un. Open so them what and then dump it out. So and... what they claim behind this theory is that Esther and Jenny concocted this crazy story between the two of them and then managed to convince John and William to help them with the crazy things that were happening. And then as like her situation got publicized because it was like in newspapers and everything people were like coming to the house to see the crazy things that were going on they were able to like get more people to help and then like the items moving and stuff were like potentially just 
you know, like things being pulled on strings or anyways, that's, that's a theory, but I believe in ghosts. So I don't think that that's necessarily true. I think that maybe she was actually haunted. I also think that, uh, that was a long time ago. So a lot of this stuff has probably been hyperbolized. For sure. So yeah, so the great Amherst mystery and the story of Esther Cox are a major part of Nova Scotia's history. And annually, Amherst plays host to an event called Esterfest, um, which is held in October. It's complete with haunted tours, mystic markets, and magical amusements such as a creepy carnival and a haunted maze. There's also a mural painted in downtown Amherst, which pays tribute to the story. And the one thing that I found that I thought was super cool, and I showed this to you, like, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. But it was really cool was if you delve deep enough into this, somebody actually created a Twitter account. And I think it's like Esther Cox 1878 is like the username. And it's basically like her live tweeting the events of 1878 to 1879 from like Esther's perspective, which was pretty cool to like read through. Somebody got really creative with that one. But was it funny? Because that's how I would do it. I mean like, yes, but no at the same time. Yeah. Like it was just interesting. So yeah, so, um, speedy recap. Speedy recap. All right, so we traveled to Amherst, Nova Scotia where we met Esther Cox, a poor girl who was haunted by multiple ghosts after she was potentially sexually assaulted. Something bad happened on that buggy ride and started being haunted. She would swell up, she would get scratched, she was stuck with pins, so she was basically a human voodoo doll. Objects would move when she was around. She was a victim of automatic writing. The ghost was threatening to kill her. And she kept leaving Amherst, coming back to Amherst, because when she'd leave, things would stop, and then she'd come back, and it'd start again, and then she'd leave, and then it'd start, and then she'd come back again. Um, Eventually, Walter Hubble comes. He thinks that he's going to debunk it. He sees everything happening, thinks that it's real, ends up writing a book, gets super famous that way. Esther keeps getting haunted. Weird shit keeps happening. And then all of a sudden, she's blamed for theft and a barn being lit on fire and burning down. She is sentenced to a four-month jail imprisonment. She is there for one month. Everything stops. She gets out. She lives a happy life. And then Esterfest. And then Esterfest. So, do you think that she was actually haunted? Sounds like it. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I think that something happened, for Mm -hmm. sure. Uh, I don't trust romantic hero Bob whatsoever. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And... I think that it's been hyperbolized a lot since. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like all the other stories, the Goose one and the, all the other ones. Um, but I really do dig these 1800s ones they're because they're, they're very good. Right. And I appreciate the fact that you like read an entire book to do this. So I think everyone, we deserve to give Kaya a nice little clap here Thank for you. putting in the extra effort for y'all. So... If you see Kaya, give her a, give her a hand and say, "Wow, that was a great job that you did telling that story." Because I think she really did do a great job. Thank you. So, based on everything that I told you over the last two episodes, if you had to give this story a spooky rating out of ten, what would you give it? I would give this story, and I liked it a lot. I would give this nine failed acupuncture attempts out of ten OHNS citations. Okay, ghosts, because I told you. So many times, y'all need to stop playing with utensils, gonna hurt somebody, dropping forks on people's heads, not cool. Not cool, okay? So, 10th citation, 9 out of 10, great job. 
Awesome. Well, we want to take this time to thank you for listening to this two-part episode. We probably won't do many of them, but let us know what you thought of us breaking this story up over two weeks. And if you enjoyed it or any of the other episodes you listen to, please visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash spooky story pod. Visit the review tab and leave us a five star review and you'll probably get a shout out on an upcoming okay, episode. Okay, hold on. Let's not just like hold people's toes over the flames. <laughs> they may be like, give us a five star review and I we said, might give you something. I said if you liked us. If you like us, you don't need to give us a five star review. Give us an honest review. Like we want to get better. There we go. Also, but if you want to leave us a five star review, you know, that'd be great. We won't, we, we, we won't turn it down. We won't turn it down. Definitely not. Um, and we like getting new audience members because then they can tell us different things. We saw somebody respond on our social media the other day that they actually used to work at the Algonquin Resort. So that's really cool. Yeah. And maybe when we start getting more feedback like that, we'll start having them on the show. So yeah, which would be really cool. Shout to do out some, to that person. To uh, do some interviews with people who actually have experienced some spooky yeah. stories of their own. Looking at you, Katie. <laughs> Um, right. So, uh, visit us on Facebook. You can check us out on Instagram at instagram.com slash spooky stories pod. You can also visit our website, spookypodcast.com. And until next time, we hope you keep it spooky. Ooh. But not that spooky. 9 out of 10 is really spooky. <laughs> <laughs>